When all is said and done, wouldn't you like to be known as a man or woman of integrity? It's a beautiful thing, I would say, that at the end of your, end of your life, when you're old and gray, it's a beautiful thing to stand before people and not be ashamed, to stand in righteousness, not perfection. We're not going to stand and go, I've never made a mistake. But we are going to stand and go, you know what? I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. And I'm going into eternity knowing that I live my life with integrity, with fidelity, with honesty. And you guys are witnesses of that. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing It's great to be with you, and welcome again to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll join Ed in 1 Samuel 12 in just a moment. It's a transition time in the leadership of Israel as Samuel is about to humbly step down and Saul is handed the leadership of the nation. And Ed doesn't want us to miss Samuel's attitude and approach here at the latter part of his life and his ministry. We'll recognize his humility and integrity and allow this to inspire you to live in a similar way. 1 Samuel chapter 12, that's where we are and where we left off. 1 Samuel chapter 12. It's not an easy time for Samuel in this season of his life. He's older, he's raised his kids. He has, you'll recall, lived a dedicated life to serving God. He experienced a miraculous birth. His mom prayed for a boy. We learned that early on. Hannah was blessed with a boy. and She said, if you give me a boy, I'll dedicate him to serve you. And that's what she did in a very literal way. Her dedication of Samuel meant that she would wean him and then leave him at the temple to serve Eli and his corrupt sons. But really, he wasn't serving Eli and his corrupt sons. He was serving God. And unfortunately, there's always those, those people that are in our lives, even sometimes spiritual leaders like Eli, that don't fully represent the goodness of God. But that didn't deter Samuel. He was able to navigate around imperfect people. And by the way, I believe that's an important principle, an important truth, an important skill that you need to learn. And that is to navigate around those Men and women not helping, that are not helping you grow in grace. People are going to misrepresent God. People are going to make mistakes, some by accident, some on purpose. And it's important that you learn to keep your eyes on the Lord. Firmly fixed, the Bible says. Firmly fixed to keep your eyes on the Lord, no matter what's going on around you. Yes, we serve those that are around us, for sure. We need to learn how to serve them with love and grace. But for those that are not helping us, those that might be misrepresenting, we need to learn how to navigate around. Samuel is a great example of that. He navigated around to be the man of God. And yet, and yet, at this season of his life, he's a rejected man. Unexpectedly rejected. The elders, the leaders of the nation of Israel see all the 
They see all the other nations around them with kings and all they have is judges. And they desire a king. Why does all the other nations have a king? We want a king. And they come to Samuel and demand a king. And you remember what happened. Samuel was bummed out. He took it personal. He took it personal. In many ways it was personal. They rejected Samuel's leadership as well as his sons because unfortunately Samuel's sons went astray as well. And it discouraged the leaders, no doubt. And as they're looking around, they're like, well, we don't have a king. We've never had a king. We want a king. They asked for, no, they demanded one. No longer did they want to be led by God directly. No longer did they want to be led by a spiritual man, but by a king, just like all the other nations around them. It hurts Samuel, but don't miss this. It hurt Samuel deeply, but he did the right thing. He took it to the Lord in prayer. That's where he took his hurts. This very deep personal wound. He took it to the Lord in prayer, and God told him and answered his prayer that they hadn't rejected him, Samuel, but in reality they had rejected God from ruling over them. And you know what God told Samuel to do? Give him a king. They want a king, give him a king. And here's one of the sad scriptures I think describes this whole scenario in one scripture. It's just like the children of Israel wandering around in the wilderness, which is what the scripture is referring to. But I believe it's very appropriate here in this section of Samuel and for every other one that are demanding something from God, but it's not God's best. And it's this, Psalm 106, verse 15, it says, And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Friend, you never want your request to supersede God's desire for you. Where you're demanding and demanding, you're going to do it your own way. You're going to do it no matter what it takes, what the cost is. And you find that God gives you and allows your request. But now you have leanness in your soul because of that disobedient decision. That's where we meet Saul. He's the chosen king. And as we've learned in previous studies, he has such great potential So many great qualities in his life. A wonderful family. And yet, like many before him and so many after him, didn't live up to his potential. Barely even tapped into it. And I wonder if those listening to this Bible study right now, I wonder if you're going to be one that doesn't tap into the full potential that God has for your life. If you're the one that won't Tap into all that God has made you and fashioned in you. Well, let me show you. Before we even get to 1 Samuel, I should ask you to open. Go to Matthew chapter 16. This is often the barrier for you and I not not really tapping into everything that God has for us. And I really don't know much about you in a personal way because I haven't asked you this question lately. But I can tell you for me. I want to tap into all that God has for me in the very few days or years that I have left on the earth. I want to accomplish all that God wants me to accomplish. I want to be a part of all that God wants me to be a part of. I don't want to go down with anyone looking at me and go, oh, wasted potential. Such a sad story in Ed's life. I don't want to go down in flames. I don't want to go down in disgrace. I don't want to go down in in sin. I don't want to go down not fulfilling all that God has for me. And here's the answer. I was putting this study together today, uh, this morning, 
And this is the answer the Lord gave to me. This is the passage, Matthew chapter 16. Notice with me in verse 24. You're like, well, Ed, I want that too. I, I want to tap into everything God has for me. I want to fulfill the call of God upon my life. I want to be used to the greatest potential. All right, here's the answer. Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? That's the key for us following close. That's the key for us moving forward in the things of God. The denial of self. It's not the denial of something. And it's not the denial of a few things. But of our very selves. It's a dethroning of self and an enthrone of Jesus. You know, chasing after life and all that life has will leave you empty at the end and unsatisfied, stressed out, worried, fretting, and ultimately just wiped out, chasing the dream, chasing the dream, chasing the dream. But where life is found is in the denial of self. Life is found in Jesus. And every man and every woman and every child needs to make the decision that Joshua makes at the end of the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 15. He says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me... And my house, we will serve the Lord. Everyone has to make that decision. Saul never committed himself fully to the things of God, even though he had great potential, even though he did a few things right. We learned this when, a few chapters ago, we saw his faithfulness just to his dad. He's a grown man going out looking for his dad's donkeys. I mean, he could have copped an attitude and said, send somebody else. You've got all kinds of these servants. Why are you sending me after the donkeys? But he never, we don't read that. We read a denial of self. We read of him going out. We read of his sensitivity toward his dad and thinking of his dad worrying and seeking out a man of God. We read so many great things, but in the future, in the future studies we're going to share together in Samuel, we're going to be discouraged. Saul's life is discouraging of the great potential and the great position and the great responsibility just thrown away for his own selfish desires. Today, we'd call a guy like that a fleshly leader, a carnal leader, someone that serves his own appetites, selfish, self-centered. And you know, it's too easy for us to make excuses for bad behavior. Have you noticed yet in your life? Have you noticed yet how easy it is to see bad behavior in others, but really think the best about ourselves? How easy it is to point out the failures and weaknesses in someone else and yet not allow anyone to point them out in us? According to Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Always. Always excuses and reasons and explanations and justifications. I looked up the word. We use words so much, I looked it up. The word excuse. 
This is what the definition is. To grant an exemption or release from. That's what an excuse is. To grant an exemption. When we make an excuse, we grant an exemption for our behavior, our situation. We release ourselves from the responsibility. They're often, the, the ex- excuses are often the response to conviction and confrontation in our lives. It's the natural response to, you know, somebody comes and says, you know, I think you're gossiping, brother. No, 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 I'm not. I'm just praying out loud. That's all. I'm just praying for a brother. I know, but you're given every single detail of their lives. I, well, you know, if I don't tell God, he won't. No, no, you're a gossip. That's what, you, you shouldn't be talking about other people even if you call it prayer. But what do we do? We've got a reason. We've got a good reason why. Someone comes up and says, you know, you're a liar. And they may not be that bold. You say, you don't just lie. You just lie. I, but it's just a white lie. Oh, okay, yeah. As a matter of fact, First George chapter 3 says... For George, white lies are, you know, we just, we're just so prone to, you know, I didn't lie, I just stretched the truth a little. Okay, all right. Or someone has the boldness to come up and say, you know what, you took something, that doesn't belong to you. Oh, no, 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 I just borrowed it for a while. Borrowed it? I mean, if you wanted to borrow it, you would have asked for it. But we're so quick. And much of our potential falls by the wayside with excuses. So much of what God wants to do in and through us simply disappears with an explanation of why we won't deal with the situation that's in front of us. It seems like the easy way out at times, the quick fix. Yet the Lord Jesus Christ is looking for that man or woman that will rise above excuses, rise above reasons, rise above exemptions. You know what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter, or excuse me, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And it's my prayer that the Lord finds those men and women here among us in our fellowship, in our spiritual family. Saul. Don't forget him. Saul. He doesn't have a heart toward God. It's not that you wouldn't say that if you looked at it from the outside up to this point in our study. You'd say, that, I, don't, I, don't, I think he's got a heart toward God. But when you look at the totality of his life and the decisions that he makes and the attitude and the, the desire to kill David, the things that truly come out when the times get tough and there's testing. Last time in chapter 11, we saw God use Saul to bring victory over the Ammonites. It's not that God won't use a vessel. He loves his people. So he'll use people, imperfect people, even people with a heart like Saul. You'll notice back in chapter 12 of verse, of, excuse me, verse 12 of chapter 11, it says, then the people said to Samuel, who is he who said, Saul, shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Great victory. God gave victory through the leadership of Saul so quickly. Samuel says to the people in verse 14, come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. And it's at Gilgal we pick up in chapter 12. You could say that Samuel here is humbly stepping down from his role in leadership. 
He is honoring God, obeying God, recognizing before the people Saul's kingship and humbly bowing out with some of these final words. He's not going to disappear off the scene. We're going to see Samuel many more times. But Samuel is now speaking and he says in verse 1, Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I've heeded your voice and all that you said to me and have made a king over you. And I wonder if it's around this time that big tears start to well up in his eyes. This is a sad occasion. It's it's a very victorious time in the children of Israel, but for, for Samuel personally, this is really sad. This is not what he thought would happen when he saw God begin to raise him up. It's not what he thought would happen as he tirelessly and sacrificially served the people of God. I don't believe this is what he foresaw at all. But the godly man that he was, I wonder at one point in this time that tears began to well up or his voice began to quiver as he's realizing the leadership that God has entrusted to him is going to be passed on. He says in verse 2, Now here is the king walking before you, and I'm old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. I've walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I'll restore it to you. And they said, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, he is witness. Isn't it important to you that you're known as a man or a woman of integrity? Is that important to you? Do you hate it when people lie about you? Yes or no? Are we here together? Anybody? Do you guys hate it when people lie about you? Do you hate it really when people start lying about you on something you know is absolutely untrue? Like, you know, you're like, what kind of lie? If they're going to lie about me, lie about some of the gray areas. But this is an area of integrity. This is a black and white area for me. This is an area where I refuse to compromise. Ask my wife. Ask my kids. Ask my boss. And, and that's exactly where the enemy wants to touch your integrity. Especially those places that it is non-negotiable. That they could dig through all of your records they could go through all the history in your, in your website browser. They can take your phone and dissect it a thousand different ways. And you know you're right. You have an integrity before the Lord. You're sincere. Your life is an open book. And just as Samuel's stepping down, he wants to establish his integrity. Why? Because when you recognize someone's integrity, it's validation and proof that you shared life with them. That you have a relationship with them. You, you know, when you can vouch for someone's integrity, when maybe they put you down on a job application and they want a reference and they put you down, you know why they put you down? Because you know them. Now, I'm not talking about the weird times when they went back in the day when, you know, you would lie for someone or say they might put someone that they put their own phone number and answer in a false voice. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we're believers here. We have a walk of integrity. That used to be our past. When, you're, when your name's put down on an application, it's because you know the person and they know that you're going to describe that person. They're gonna, you're going to describe them with the truth. 
And it would be a horrible thing if someone that you trusted would shoot down your integrity. Samuel, I'm sure, being a human being, just wants to go down as a man of integrity. He realizes the, the seriousness of asking for a king, but I'm sure on a personal level, he's still not sure why. He served their heart out for them. He gave everything. He is a man dedicated to the things of God. And I think very similar to like Paul, you can jot it down, cross-reference, in Acts chapter 20, Paul makes the same appeal to the elders in Ephesus about his own integrity. I didn't take anything from you guys. I didn't do anything wrong with you. You know me. That was, remember, those of you that have been with us through our whole entire study in 2 Corinthians, that's what Paul kept repeating over and over again to the church in Corinth. How can you believe the lies? Samuel goes down by saying, I just want to bear, I just want you guys all to agree, I've been a man of integrity. And it's a beautiful thing, I, I would say, that at the end of, your, end of your life, when you're old and gray, I don't know how many of us could stand up and say, we're pretty close. I'm pretty close to this. I'm old and gray. I'm gray-headed, that's for sure. I'm getting there. Uh, what hair I have left. And I'm much older than I was before. But toward the end of our life, whatever that is, it's a beautiful thing to stand before people and not be ashamed. To stand in righteousness. Not perfection. We're not going to stand and go, I've never made a mistake. But we are going to stand and go, you know what? I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. And I'm going into eternity knowing that I live my life with integrity, with fidelity, with honesty. And you guys are witnesses of that. I love what Jesus would pray in John 17, verse 4. He said, I've glorified you on the earth. I've finished the work which you've given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, which the with the glory which with I had before the world was. To go out strong. And unfortunately, with so many falling in sinful disgrace, we may forget the years of faithful service and ministry today. And let's not do that. By God's abounding grace, let's make it our goal in life to finish strong and be a man or woman of integrity, just like Samuel. Hey, thanks for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're going and growing through a study of 1 Samuel right now, and you can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. Well, Ed, our pick of the month is an excellent book written by Warren Wiersbe on being a servant. What can you tell us about it? Well, we have a discipleship reading list here, Larry. If anyone wants that, they can contact me directly. I'd love to send it to them. And this book is on that list. It is a book that helps give you a daily dose of what it means to serve the Lord. And of course, if you've never read anything by Warren Wearsby, this would be a fantastic start. And it, it is a resource I pull out um, at least annually uh, to look at. I, I'm see the I see the a copy of the book right here on my bookshelf as I'm recording this and thinking that I have it on my Kindle. So I always have it on my iPad, but it's one of those books that when you read it, read it, read it, and then you begin to minister in the wisdom that Warren gives, you know, like for me years later, I'll reread the book and I'll come across a truth and I'll, I'll say, Oh, that's where I learned that. 
because there's so much wisdom in it. And it really is teaching you how to serve the Lord effectively in every area of your life. Whether you get it to support us uh, in the ministry here, which we truly appreciate, or you just get it on your own, please read it and apply the principles, and you'll see the Lord use you in great ways. We'll send this your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Call us right now at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. And as we continue to deliver God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Well, next time on Abounding Grace, we'll continue Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 1 Samuel. Thank you for listening today, and we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado and online at AboundingGraceRadio.com.